Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, queen of burnout, throwing in a little sass there, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. I got to practice what I preach. I'm a recovering workaholic and rest is my detox. <laughs> so my team is pushing me to try to do more rest. I have really been invigorated since I got my new office and my podcasting equipment set up back full time. It's been so fun to be podcasting again and doing live episodes. But they're reminding me too that I'm overworking. So we are problem solving this. And in order to do that, we are doing a reboot showcase. All my work that I've done in the past, I might as well reuse it, right? Recycle, reduce, reuse. And so what we're going to do in this reboot showcase is take old podcast episodes that I've actually been on for other people and play them here on Dr. Me First. It makes me smile a little bit as I go back and listen to years ago when I was doing some of these podcasts. And I'm like, wow, I was really smart. I knew a whole lot of things. But I also see how I've changed and how things are different. <laughs> In the world of Aaron Wiseman, we call it, is it long-haired Aaron or short-haired Aaron? Because <laughs> you can definitely see a big change when the hair got lopped off during the pandemic. So listen to the episodes and then see if you can tell when I did that episode on the timeline of everything Aaron Wiseman. Long-haired Aaron, short-haired Aaron. Give me an email. I'd love to hear about it. I'm going to take my own medicine. I'm going to rest a little bit, and I'm still going to pop up episodes for you to listen to. So enjoy this reboot today. And as always, friend, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse absolutely matters. And the badass in me honors the freaking badass in you. Enjoy! You're listening to the Doc Lounge Podcast. This is a place for candid conversations with healthcare industry's top physicians, executives, and thought leaders. This podcast is made possible by Pacific Companies, your trusted advisor in physician recruitment. I am your host, Summer Gilbert, and I am the director of marketing and branding here at Pacific Companies. So today on the podcast, we're doing an Ask the Expert series, and our special guest is Dr. Aaron Weissman. Dr. Weissman is a board-certified family medicine physician, but she's also dabbled in rural emergency medicine, correctional medicine, telemed, Jerry psych, uh, faculty teaching, and so many other amazing areas of medicine, which really makes her a purple unicorn. Aside from all her work in medicine, Dr. Weissman is also an entrepreneur and has a successful podcast herself. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Weissman about physician burnout. This is something that she's very familiar with. And then we're also going to get into a topic that's not talked about too much that should be, and it's the balance of being a physician and a parent. So let's get started. Dr. Weissman, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't remember, where are you practicing out of right now? I'm in Southern Indiana. Awesome. What's the weather like right now out there? 
It's a little bit cold. It was rainy. Um, typical like Midwest fall right now. Gotcha. I, I'm in Southern California, so you know you, you know. can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Let's relate. Be honest. Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to talk about um, two different things. Going to kind of try to combine them together. So we're going to talk about burnout, burnout, and um, it's something that Dr. Weissman is very familiar with. Um, and then rediscovering your purpose, how to get out of um, that rut, that that burnout rut, and then also motherhood and being a mother and a physician and balancing that, which is hard. And I don't think a lot of people realize you know, that could be even a part of burnout too, is, is the balance of being a good mother, but being a good physician, because being a physician is hard and it takes a lot of your time. So just to get started, what would you say, like in your own um, definition, what Dr. Weissman's clinical definition of burnout would be? Well, it 100% comes from my own experience, and it's that place that you have just gotten to, like, the absolute lowest, darkest, um, most lonely place, and then you find the basement. And so, burnout for me is, it's like an engine, like, that has not been fed gas and has not had its oil changed in, like, 10 years, mm -hmm. and you're just redlining it all the way through until everything seizes up and you're going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah. That, those are my illustrations of like what true burnout is. And I know like in the physician world, there are people in the two camps. There, there's those who like hate the word burnout. Like, no, we should be using moral injury. We should not be placing blame on individuals. And then um, there's people like me in my camp and we're like, no, we name this shit. Like yeah. we say what it is and we say how we feel about it in our experience and recognize that is a, it is a multifactorial problem. Yeah. And I see you have, um, it's the burnout to badass group. If I got it right, tell us about that. Yeah. So it, my whole experience thing comes from right out of training 2014 worst, worst year of my life. Absolutely. Because when I was supposed to be on top of the mountain, finishing training, launching into my career, my practice, you know, all the things. Like I said, I was in that deep, deep goalie of burnout. Everybody was congratulating me. They're like, yay, you did it. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, oh, fuck, I did it. Yeah. And and how is this going to change? Like, it's supposed to get better and it's not. And I had two little kids and a scared husband at home. And I was like, I can't do this for the next 30 or 40 years of my life. Like, I don't. I don't know whose life this is, but I don't want it. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing what I tell our patients not to do. I got on the internet. I found thousands of other physicians who were like quietly talking about this on the edges, but nobody had any solutions. It was either like quit your job, move to Tahiti and like make beach sandals, or it was like, you know, join corporate, go into leadership or like pray and hope that you can find something on LinkedIn that limits your patient care time. Yeah. And none of that felt good to me. None of it was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. And so I kept looking and I was like, I, I just don't know. And I remember my husband telling me, he's like, six months, just give it six months so that we can get our feet under us and figure it out before you quit. Because I literally, every day I walked in, I had a resignation letter that I updated the date every day that I was ready to turn in at that point. And oh, I'd wow. literally been practicing medicine four weeks. And so... 
again, searching because I am a squeaky wheel. I will keep looking. So I started talking to my office manager. I talked to my best friends from medical school, people I went to residency with. I even freaking sat down with my CMO and was like, I don't know what is going on, but I am not happy. And I got the pat on the head and like, okay, hope you got it all out. Now go back to the office and see patients. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I came across um, a website that was geared towards fish- physicians being on- an entrepreneur. And I was like, okay, I can't do all that other stuff, but maybe I could do something in the entrepreneurial space. I had no idea. But coming from a family that no one else was doctors, they're all blue collared workers here in Indiana. I was like, I can figure this out. I'm scrappy enough. I can figure this out, even if it means sacking groceries or working on an assembly line. Like I will do what I need to do, but it's not this. Mm -hmm. And um, went on that website and started looking around. She was a family medicine doc as well. And I was like, okay, this intrigues me. Like, I don't know what this is, but hashtag take my money because I need something. And little did I know it was life coaching. And I cannot tell you how transformational those weeks were when I started working through just her little website online modules about all the things that I wish someone would have asked me day one of medical school. How -hmm. do you not lose yourself? Who are you? How has life fundamentally changed? What do you want to accomplish that doesn't, that isn't a report card or isn't an add a girl? What yeah. do you really want to do with your life? And because it was so transformational, that coach at the time, she was in career, um, you know, older kids like done. I looked around and I was like, where the hell are all the like young physician mom coaches? Because we need this. Mm-hmm. We needed this years ago. And so it was in 2015 when I went and got coaches training and I opened up um, coaching to women specifically like me because one. I wanted no other female physician to ever experience burnout alone like I did. And number two, I found like I found a spark of something and I needed to like pass that on to other people. And so that's where burnt out to badass came from mm-hmm. it was really about moving from that place of like darkness and just utter aloneness and to reclaiming like the badassery that we are. I mean, you don't go into medicine if you're a wimp. Let's be yeah. perfectly honest. Oh, yeah. We are resilient as hell. Yeah. But through the culture, through the training, it just gets beat out of us. And so I'm really empowered to show other physicians like, no, 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 no. First of all, you don't need to be burned out to be a good doctor. And secondly, if you are burned out, you're not staying there. And we're going to make it so much better. And let yeah. me help you do it. And I feel like society doesn't matter what industry it is. Um, it rewards people for working long hours. Oh, that person stayed four hours after, you know, and, and to me, I feel like that that's so reversed because that means that person doesn't have good time management. How come they're not getting these things done in that, you know, specified amount of time and oh my god summer like hustle culture is so glorified in medicine mm-hmm. the patient always comes first don't worry about your bladder don't worry about the last time you took a drink of water don't worry about like what's happening at home and if someone is taking care of your children well like the patient comes first yeah and then also too like don't be the first one to leave because then that shows that you're lazy or it shows that you don't care enough when in reality, like like you said, it should be the absolute opposite. Like, 
How about we fill our own cups first and make sure that we're well and healthy? And then that can overflow to everyone that we talk to instead of the toxicity of, you know, well, this is how I earned my stripes. So that's how you need to do it, kid. And I'm just over it. I'm absolutely over it. And that's the message that I hope to, to spread because it's not sustainable. We already know 50% of medical school classes are women. At five years out of training, residency or fellowship, 40% have gone part-time or lost medicine. So it's not, it's not, oh, you know, we have a little, we have a huge problem. And I would venture to say it's because medicine is built for married men who their wives are stay-at-home moms. Yeah. And yeah, we've been welcomed to the table. Like, yeah, girl, you can be a doctor, go ahead. But where has there been any equity built into the medical system? Mm-hmm. So I am very loud. I am very sassy about this. And and again, I burnout is not a you are broken problem. It's a system that is broken problem. And we have to happen to be the people who are taking the hits from it. Yeah. And there's so many women out there who, like you said, I mean, we have been sold a bill of good that hustle culture is how you get ahead. It's how you prove yourself. It's how your worth is determined by the almighty RVU. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, are you happy with that? Like, is your office manager going to be at your funeral when you die at 51 from a heart attack because you didn't take care of yourself and your stress levels are through the roof? Yeah, they may be. But you know who I want there is the people I love and who I go to bed with every single night. Yeah. And when we build our lives around productivity and efficiency and external validation, it's really crumbly foundation. Yeah. And I feel like the scheduling for physicians is so crazy. I mean, minimum 12 hour schedules. So you're fatigued, you barely have time to eat. How are you a good doctor under those circumstances? How are you performing? at your best. And I feel like these long schedules have happened for for since the start of medicine and nothing's been changed. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's two-parted. And we have the research to back up that a 12-hour shift is horrible for people. I mean, we know that you are not in your best efficiency and flow. There's a lot of research that's been done in the nursing world and why we're not adopting it in the physician world. I don't know. But I think it's two-parted. One, it's hard to change. This is how we've always done it. Mm -hmm. So this is how we're going to continue it. This is what makes it quote unquote easier. Have two doctors who work a 24 hour and they split a 12 hour, you know, day Mm -hmm. versus being like, maybe we should do an eight hour shift or maybe we should have some overlap time instead of on and off. And I think the other part too is as physicians, we have to advocate for ourselves. We have to start stop putting up with the bullshit that is grinding us into the ground, that is burning us out, and we have to say no. And no is a complete sentence, and it's one of the hardest ones that you learn to say. Because it's it's slightly easier to go with the flow than against it. Yeah. But I know in my experience, like after I've been the first one to stand up and be like, um, are we really doing this? Because I'm voting no. You know, after the initial looks and the, the little chitter chatter of people talking, then they're like, oh, Wiseman actually may have a point with this. Yeah. 
And we just talked to, we had someone on the podcast recently, Dr. Lynette Charity, and she's a phenomenal. A, yeah. Retired anesthesiologist. And, you know, she, she talks a lot about how medicine, there was less burnout um, years ago. And now there's more because physicians are losing autonomy and there's EMR systems There's so much more that takes them away from the patient interaction. Do you feel that, that that's a, a big part of it? I think also, I think it's expectations. There's additional mm-hmm. expectations. I know Dr. Charity really well, and, and she's talked about with me when she begin, began her career decades ago, the patient expectation was different. The hospital expectation on physicians was different. Now, I came into the scene in the 2000s when patients could immediately get a hold of you through the portals. Nurses could immediately get a hold of you. Um, you know, essentially, you didn't have a life of your own because you're always being pulled in so many different directions and taking care of everything else. Like, I was never learned, like, what's white space? And are you kidding me? Would I ever turn my phone off? Absolutely not. Yeah. And so I think it is, it's a 100% loss of autonomy um, when we've become cogs in the wheel rather than being the natural born leaders that we are and dictate the course and, and be able to control our schedule. Because here's the thing, the majority of physicians are not lazy. If you give them control of their schedule and say, hey, you put the constraints on it that you want. Um, you decide when you want to take lunch. You decide when you get done in the end of the day or when you start in the morning. I'm going to venture to say 99% of them are going to do a very good job. Now, yeah. there's the occasional outliers who want to work like 90 minutes a day. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's gone from overregulation to like strangulation. Like that we're little kids and that we have to be mandated over. And it's like, no, um, a happy physician is a productive physician, yeah. not someone who you're standing behind beating with the whip. So I think autonomy is huge. And I think that's why we're seeing such a surge in direct patient care, DPC movement, where doctors are saying, no more. I don't want anything else to get between me and my patients. So I'm going to remove those factors. I'm not taking insurance. I'm doing a cash-based membership type of practice. Yeah, you need your labs. I'll draw them for you. Mm-hmm. And and really getting out all of those factors that come between us and the patient, because that's why we went into this was to help other people. And there's so much paperwork. There's so much click. I mean, I've got carpal tunnel and I am, I should not have carpal tunnel at my age because of everything that we've been doing that's secretarial type work, but that's yeah. been dumped on physicians. And so again, I think it comes back to the advocating. And I think it's just so important as doctors, we have to start asking ourselves the question, like, is this really what's right for me? Mm-hmm. Not what's right for like the global society, like what's the, you know, how we take care of. And also remember, there's only a finite number of people that you can actually care for. They forgot to tell me that in medical school. I thought I was going to take care of the whole entire world. Yeah. And in reality, that's impossible. And Absolutely. so schedules that are driven by um, mass where you churn and burn to make your money, I think is totally inappropriate. Yeah. Because again, studies show female physicians on average take two minutes longer with each patient. If you add that up over in a day, that's 40 minutes. If you have 20 patients in a day, you add that up over a week, over a year, 
And you can see where female physicians get penalized for being better communicators and sitting with their patients longer and a system that's based on productivity. Yeah, which is so wrong. It's so, so wrong to get penalized for that. So, you know, talking about those female physicians kind of transitioning to motherhood, um, we've talked to um, physicians that are almost out of training and are worried about starting a family because they don't know if if that can happen, if that balance, because their husband's already working full time and then they're going to have a job. Um, so what advice would you give women, you know, that are, you know, young coming out of school and want to start a family, but they're afraid because they also want to go for their goals and be a physician. And I think maybe I'll speak to the advice that I wish I had gotten as a medical student. Let's, let's go from there. I think one, like no one knows the right answer. Like, let's Mm -hmm. just get that out of our head. There is no like right in this situation. Um, Two, it's going to be hard no matter what you decide. So it's either you delay having children and your fertility decreases. So you're freezing eggs and going through that process while trying to train. Or you say, okay, I am going to have a baby. And now you're dealing with pregnancy on top of running around the hospital and seeing patients and, you know, trying to sleep with a huge belly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have to look at a maternity leave and how that's going to impact your training schedule and if you're going to have to repeat or stay longer. Um, And I mean, and then it, there's more with it. So I think I would tell like past me, you have to pick your heart. Like there, there is no easy path. There is no right path with this. And I think the third thing that I would say to past me is that Motherhood is going to fundamentally transform you. Because to me, at that point, it was like med school, check, residency, check, 2.5 kids, check, house, check, car, check. You know, like it was on the checklist and no one, or maybe I just didn't listen, but I feel like no one told me, like these little creatures that you are going to birth into the world, you will no longer be the same afterwards. And Mm -hmm. I... I don't think I fully embraced my motherhood till I was healing from my burnout to realize, holy shit, like I'm different and my priorities are different. And like the things that I thought were so important before, they just aren't now. And I almost had to go through this like whole grieving cycle of like, but do I give up the professional life and like just become this mom? Because Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. And so what I tell people now is like, you can have it both. I think the dose sizes are going to be extremely different than what you ever imagined. Yeah. But you have to recognize that like life is going to change because so many of us are so type A and we get like locked in on, well, this is what I said I was going to do and I am going to get it done no matter what. I mean, tenacious. But we don't give ourselves a permission to say, but maybe it'll change at some point. I feel like my friends that I had that I went to college to who did not pursue medicine or higher professional um, careers, like they got this. They like they they tried some things and they like got to explore a little bit more while in my 20s, I had my nose in a book or in a cadaver. They were out there kind of like lifing. Yeah. And so it was in my 30s that I finally kind of got to go through that. 
And I wouldn't say that it was wrong. And at this point in my life, I wouldn't do it over again, even though that took me about five years to figure out. Yeah. But that you get to change and life gets to change. And the person you were at 18 when you decided to go into pre-med and become a doctor, hey, guess what? Like she grew up and she's in her 40s now and life is different. Yeah. And for married physicians, the spouse has a huge impact on their happiness and balance. If I hadn't found the man that I'm with, there's no way. There's no way I could be. And so I think that's another thing too. Um, there's some studies that show that um, women physicians are more likely to go through a divorce um, because of the gender role changes mm-hmm. and be- because of what's going on with it. Um, I lucked out. I'll be perfectly honest. He he got the role into the deal when it comes to all of this. Yeah. But yeah, um, being married to medicine, what we call in my household, being married to an alpha female, you you got to like, it's a special gift to it. Yeah. And so, um, and not everyone has that. There's many women that I coach that I just, oh, I'm so sad for them, for the relationships they have. But what I encourage all of them to do you can't change other people. You work on you. You mm. work on yourself. And either they will level up and come with you or you will move on. And I think that's important. Too many times we want to fix other people because that's mm-hmm. what we are. We're fixers as doctors. Yeah. What we have to remember is it first must start with ourselves. So I have an interesting question for those women that are starting their career and want to have that balance. Do you think it's important to maybe start part-time work uh, rather than full-time until the kids get a little older? I think that it really is up to what that woman wants. If she wants full, full-time, full hell yes. Let's support her and do that. Mm-hmm. If she wants part-time, hell yes. If she wants some kind of hybrid schedule, let's do that. But I venture to say there's not a lot of organizations who are willing to even get creative and have that thought. Yeah. I mean, I've been told... Like, you want to talk about microaggressions, standing at an OR table when I was um, training and just saying, having a surgeon tell me, I don't know why we still let women in medicine because all you do is take up a spot in medical school and in residency, and then you have babies and go part-time. Yeah. And so, you know, my answer to him was, well, would it be better to have a great part-time physician than a shitty full-time guy standing in there? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to look at it that way. And I think we have to look at the past the model of like, is our worth based on what we do and what we produce? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I think every person has to look at that individually. I know my answer and what that looks like for me and for my family, but that wasn't an easy decision to come to. And it was a lot of trying some different things and mm-hmm. um advocating for myself and having awareness when like, this is not working. So what will work or what yeah. can we try? Like always asking myself, not like w- always the end goal, but instead of asking what's the next best step Yeah, that we can try. And so um, I praise institutions, hospitals, groups who say, yeah, let's do a schedule that works for you and being willing to try it and be flexible with it. Because honestly, that's where you're going to get women who 
may just need a few years to figure out family life and they can come back roaring. Yeah. Or maybe they figure out a different passion, a different disease state that they love to take care of um, and can really serve in, in given away like that. But I'm not going to say like what it has to look like because I think that's different for everyone. But again, I think we need not equality, but we need equity. Yeah. Which is everyone is given a fair shot to have their autonomy and to, um, to find that expression of self. Yeah. So a big part of our listenership is, um, you know, hospital admins and CEOs and the ones that, you know, are, are behind the scenes. What would you say to them to help them understand what these physicians need? Because I know culture is huge. It's something that our CEO um, in our business is a big advocate in is just making sure that we have a strong culture, number one. And, you know, a lot of hospitals don't. And so for those that are listening, um, to prevent that burnout from even happening, what would you tell them? Two things. First one is administrators and doctors are like divorced couples. They're only getting along for the kids. They're only getting along for the patients. And so how do you learn to start co-parenting well together? And I think that's trust. I think trust has to be built back in to the equation. And that looks different for different organizations. Um, but the biggest thing is, and you can sense it, you can feel it when you walk into a room, when mm -hmm. the C-suite walks into the doctor's lounge, what happens? Does everybody like hush down and mums the word? Or is there an interaction? Is there talking? Um, do people trust? I think that is the largest tell on how the culture is permeating through the organization. It's not just the words that hang on the hallway, but it's the feet that walk through there. And so I would encourage all administrators to really look at that factor. And instead of asking what's wrong with you, I think the next thing is really acknowledging the human experience and asking what has happened to you and how can we help you? Yeah. Because there is a lot of walking, the wounded walking right now. I call them the wounds under the white coats that you don't even really know about. Mm -hmm. um, but right now your biggest capital um, is not your buildings. It's, it's not your MRI machine. It's not your Da Vinci in the OR. It's your human capital. And how well are you taking care of them? And so trust, and like I said, really, really digging into those people. Because right now, statistically, um, among female physicians in my age demographic, somewhere between 20 and 40% of us are having suicidal ideation. Not that we have a plan, yeah, but that, that we've thought that it would be better if we were dead. And wow. so with those numbers, that's two or 10 two or four out of 10 women sitting in a meeting who are female physicians who are having that. And so I think the, um, well, she shows up to work and she gets her notes done. It's not a good indicator. Mm -mm. And, and so I think we have to go back to, to those core things that make us human, belonging, community, being rooted in our purpose. And I think if organizations can really focus on that, and it's hard work, it's a lot easy to have people fill out Prescani scores and um, show up to meetings than mm -hmm. to do this type of work. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're almost out of time. Tell us where everyone can find you. I know you have your podcasts. Tell us about your podcast first. Let's talk about that. 
Yeah, that. I was going to say, since you guys are podcast listeners, hop on over to Dr. Me First. It's a podcast I started several years ago. It's all about authentic conversations. And so you can hear a little bit of everything there. Plus, at the end, you always get an Aaron Wiseman kick of encouragement to get you through the day. So I pop those out every Monday to encourage you while you're driving or running or trying not to kill your kids while you're throwing Pop-Tarts at them in the back of the van. Yeah. Um, they are sassy, and I occasionally do drop some colorful language. But hey, that's me, and it's my podcast, so I get yeah. to do what I do there. So yeah, check out Dr. Me First. Um, I've had amazing, amazing guests on there. I'll do solo casts a couple times a month, and then I do bring on Mr. Dr. Wiseman for our Maryton Alpha Female series that we do. So if you want to see like the dynamics of my house, and I'll be perfectly honest, it's not perfect. Yeah. We're making it along just like everybody else's, um, but that's a really cool project we're doing right now together. And from Dr. Me First, um, it was kind of a podcast, book launch, all of that several years ago. You can find my workbook on Amazon, same title, Dr. Me First. And it's the workbook that I wish I had had when I was doing that searching back in 2014. And so it's a really easy, fun way to start for anybody who is like, I don't know, maybe I need to get my colored pens out and try this a little bit. Um, other places you can hang out with me. I love LinkedIn. Please come find me on LinkedIn. It's a really cool space talking about culture, talking about um organizational change. It's a great mm -hmm. place to be in. So hang with me on LinkedIn. And then yeah, if you're interested in joining my community, it's called Burnt Out to Badass. And it is, we come together weekly and have conversations about how to move from a place of just surviving to a place where you're actually thriving and in the middle of your badass self. So yeah. you can find that at Burnt Out to Badass. Is it primary female or are, are there men on on that as well? Tell anyone who resonates with my message that you are welcome. Okay. So it's it's a totally inclusive place. Yeah. Well, I cannot thank you enough um, for joining. And, um, you know, and I think for our physician listeners and, you know, our hospital admins listening can really take a lot out of this. And I mean, even during COVID right now, I mean, I think there's got to be a lot more of this burnout and worry and um, we're going through a hard time. And so episodes like this need to be heard. Yeah. And I just want to remind everybody out there, you are not alone. Change is possible. Nothing has gone wrong here. And now that you're to a point of awareness, you can make those changes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for all you listeners, I'll put all the links to how to get a hold of Dr. Weissman um, below this episode. So have a great day. And um, I appreciate your time. All See right. ya. Bye. Thank you to all our listeners. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes air, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And a big thank you to Pacific Companies. Without you guys, this podcast could not be possible. If you would like to be a guest, go to www.pacificcompanies.com. Thank you. there. I got some really important stuff to share with you. 
Besides developing Dr. Me First over the last, I don't know, I think it's like seven or eight years now, and Burnt Out to Badass, which is a little bit newer. It's been going on for about three to four years. I've actually been developing another business kind of on the side, and a lot of you folks are surprised when you hear about it. It's called Physician Coaching Alliance, and it does a lot of amazing things. First of all, if you're a chief wellness officer or you want to see more wellness in your organization, hospital, medical group, residency program, etc., Physician Coaching Alliance is your answer. We do consulting and coaching within organizations to bring better wellness into the healthcare space. So you need to go over to the website, physiciancoachingalliance.com, drop me an email with the organization, who I contact, who I talk to, and we can come in and help your institution. The other part of Physician Coaching Alliance is for those who are looking for a personal coach. Of course, I would love to be your coach, but I also know that I'm not everybody's Well, taste and spicy sauce, let's put it that way. So there we have a menu of over 70 coaches who specialize in so many different things, who come from different parts of medicine. Some people are in medicine, some people are out of medicine, some people are hybrid. It's just an amazing group of an eclectic amount of skills and personalities. I'm sure you can find your next coach there. So again, same website, physiciancoachingalliance.com. And lastly, if you are a coach and you're tired of going in alone, maybe you're in a slump, maybe you just want to be around other physician coaches who are willing to give and are over the hustle culture and not about competing with each other, but knowing that how we heal healthcare is better together. Then also Physician Coaching Alliance is the place for you. PCA fulfills so many of these needs and more. It's all on the same website, physiciancoachingalliance.com. You can hang out with us on LinkedIn and on Instagram by the exact same name, physiciancoachingalliance.com. Yep, I've been busy. running multiple companies, practicing medicine, taking care of alpacas. But you know what? It is my heart and joy to do this. And I hope that PCA can become a part of your story too. 